we were worshiping the Lord just now, um, I, I felt this from the Lord that uh, we have no idea of the invitation that he presents with his presence. And uh, he kind of like shot through these uh, passages from scripture real quick. And there's like this parable of a wedding. There's this parable of a feast and all these different parables. And it's like every time it was an invitation to come to this table with him. And um, I just felt that, you know, as we as we share the word and we're just here in his presence, that there's this incredible invitation from him at all times. And um, it's not to say that we don't we don't honor, we don't, um, you know, we respect the Lord. But I don't think we really understand the greatness of that invitation to come into this king's presence and receive from him. So, um, you know, Pastor Nate, when we did a huddle earlier, he just talked about expectancy. So, uh, you know, to raise the bar, and I'm sharing that because that's what I want to do. I felt like the Lord put that on my heart, just to kind of raise the bar in your own heart, all right? Um, just for your own heart to be expected that God's going to do something unique in your heart tonight. Does that sound good? Yeah. So um, the last three weeks, you know, leading up to uh, even today, um, as I'm looking back, is really was a setup. And, uh, you know, we're the, we're the week after Easter, the week after resurrection. And you have to ask yourself the question, like, what, what do you do with this Jesus? What do you do with him? Like, he rose from the dead 2,000 years ago last Sunday. Do we just continue to do church? Do we continue just to do life? Do we continue to just do the same things, right? And some of the things that we do are good, and we need to keep doing them. But I think sometimes we need to ask, you ask that question, like, what are we going to do with this Jesus? What are we going to do with him? So it's an interesting question. Maybe if we asked him what he would say to us, what he would say to us after he rose from the dead, what do you want me to do? Right? That'd be a good note to write down maybe. You ask him the question like, what would you want me to do? You rise from the dead. You've conquered everything. What would you like me to do? So the next uh, three weeks, I feel like um, the Lord really wants to maybe share his heart on what he would say to that question. What do you think the most important thing, the most important thing on God's heart is right now? All the things going on in the world, what do you think the most important thing on his heart is? I like that you guys are talking. Yeah. So if you have kids and you have a kid or more than one kid and you lost one of those kids, like you would seriously move everything that you could to find that child. Like if you don't understand that, you see what I'm saying? Like, I really don't think we understand the depth of God's desire to seek and save that which is lost. And um, I really feel like even in the room tonight, um, there's going to be something that God releases inside of your heart. And it's this concept of urgency. Do you know every generation always thought Jesus was going to come back in their generation? You study church history? Like, every single generation, Jesus has come back in this generation. Y'all hear that, right? Even in hours, like Jesus is coming back in this generation. Do you know why? They're, they're actually feeling something from the heart of God. I think we miss it sometimes because like we're, we're looking up and God actually wants us to look out. 
Because the, the way that he's going to come back is us looking out and us going after that which he came for. It says he sat down waiting until his enemies are made his footstool, and it is the lost. That don't mean just salvation. That means every single human that's hurting, he says, I need you looking for them. He's waiting on that. Like Jesus don't even know. Jesus don't know when he's coming back. But the Father sent his son to die for the world. And man, listen, we can get so caught up in, in, in church. We get so caught up in the gymnastics of, of church. And all that stuff's important. It's important to pray. It is. It's important to come to church. But man, if this doesn't translate into something to where it's cellular in my life and it just begins to work its way through my Monday through Saturday, I'm missing the concept of why Jesus came. Yeah, he's not up in heaven saying, worship me more. I promise you, he's not. He's not up in heaven saying, pray more. He's saying, go find that one that I died for. That's what he would say if he stood before you. Go find the one that I died for. Do the other in route. But do that as your most important thing. You guys okay? And listen, it's not that we're not. Like I said, the last three weeks, I believe, was a setup. Three weeks ago, God talked about releasing faith into our heart. The second week, he talked about a fresh baptism of love to remove our fear. And then last week, he talked about giving us keys. All of this was a setup to go out. His faith remove our fear and give us keys. Go out and use it. Use my faith. Glad the fear is gone. And now use the keys and go after. Go after what I died for. So for the next three weeks, we got this message called Crack the Code. Did I get that title right? Crack the Code? I hope I did. God spoke it to me. That's it. Crack the Code. I'm driving up to church. I don't know. It was about four weeks ago. And I heard that phrase, Crack the Code. Mad as I misquote myself. Crack the Code. And I, I didn't know what it meant, but to be honest, I thought it was just like a good sermon title. I'm like, that sounds cool. It'd be a great sermon title. And I'm pulling into church, and I, like, instinctively I knew that the Lord was talking about going after the lost. Didn't have a clue of what it meant, but just knew in my heart it was for a time that he wanted to give us an invitation to come to a banquet where he would want us to feast on something and get us ready to go after the most important thing on his heart. Yeah. Sound good? So for the next three weeks, let's just have some conversations. And the goal is to hopefully have some tools, all right, to prepare us so that um, we can actually see the kingdom. You know, we, we can see the kingdom. That's a game changer. Like seeing the kingdom manifest before your eyes. Seeing someone's life transformed, investing inside of their life, seeing someone come to Christ, seeing your prayer get answered before your eyes, and seeing a person receive something from the Lord, but seeing the kingdom manifest before your eyes. I'm going to give you this scripture, we're going to open up with it, and it's John 4, and I just want to prophesy this scripture over you, and the Lord gave me this scripture last week. It's in John chapter 4, and um, this chapter is absolutely incredible. 
And I'm not going to read all the verses. Actually, I will. It's verses 35 through 38. And this is Jesus um, talking. He says, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. Somebody should say amen to that. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. And here's your word. I've sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. I have sent you to reap for that which you have not labored. Others have labored and you have entered into their labors. That's a word, right? And I felt like, Lord, that gave me that word for us to, to, to prophesy over your life that he's sending us into places where we're going to get to reap what we have not actually sown. We're going to get to bring into a harvest in areas where we have not actually labored. There's a part that we have to play inside of this. This is not just automatic. I can't just sit on my hands. It is a prophetic word, but there's a part that we play inside of it. I mean, I want to see the fruit come fast. Like Haley talked about it and she opened up tonight and she actually, I mean, literally was just prophesying up here about salvation and going out and sharing the gospel. She had no idea what I was going to teach on tonight. But I was part of that Zoom last week. It's from midnight till 2.30 in the morning. And we start on Easter night. And by Wednesday, I'm telling you what, were you dragging? Because like you get to bed around 3 and then you got your full day. But how many received Jesus? 268 people received Jesus by being in the middle of the night, giving up some of your time. Come on, give it up for the Lord for that. Yeah, 200. How many? 68. Yeah, I was like a zombie day four. But I've been to ending this low-hanging fruit. But listen, this is what this passage is saying. There's low-hanging fruit right here. There's low-hanging fruit right here. We look at other places and we think like, but that's that country and it's not like this here. But to be honest, it is here. And what we want to begin to talk about the next three weeks is how we actually can see the low-hanging fruit. How we can actually reap what we have not labored for. Does that make sense? Is that good? So I want to use a few stories because Jesus is always the best when it comes to um, catching low-hanging fruit. But before, that, before I do that, I want to share with you a little bit about this title because it gives us a little insight into how Jesus operated because Jesus cracked the code when he walked on the earth. So crack the code actually is a phrase that comes from something that happened in World War II. And World War II was the worst as far as losing people. It was like 40 to 50 mil, 40 to 50 million people lost their lives, if Google's accurate. But so many people lost their lives. It was so bad. And this guy, what he did was he was a mathematician. His name is Alan Turing. And um, he was a mathematician. And, and what he did was he came up with a system to begin to crack the code for what the Germans would begin to communicate to the front lines and different people. So he was able to, up to maybe two a day, um, just crack these codes. And what it would do is it would reveal the information that all the allies would need so that they could stop the enemy in their tracks. 
And history says that he might have actually shrunk the war two to four years, which would have been millions and millions of lives. The Germans caught on to it. At one point, what they did was they began to actually change this day by day, and he was still able to crack the code, even though we're changing it day by day. And when I was reading this, it really ministered to my heart, because sometimes we can like have the gospel and we can have the message, but we need to understand how to implement when it comes to a day by day basis. Like to really understand what is the enemy doing inside of this person's life? How is the enemy trying to take this person out? And God can say, I can give you, all right? I can give you a system. I can give you a word. I can give you a thought that can crack the code of what's going on on the inside of them. And I can bring freedom inside of someone's life. And Jesus did this. So based on... A metric, it says it takes someone 7.2 times to hear the gospel to receive Jesus. It didn't take Jesus that long. Sometimes people need to hear it that day. Or let me say it this way. They need to receive that day or they might not make it to the next day. Someone might just need to hear something, something very strategic that's going to crack the code inside of them. And it might not be salvation, but it could be another area of their life when literally their life is hanging in the balance and God can crack the code. And it doesn't have to be 7.2 times for God to bring salvation or God to bring freedom into somebody's life. Does that make sense? There's a stat that says 95%, 95% of all Christians have not led somebody to Jesus. And I'm not saying this to condemn. I'm saying we're going to rewrite these metrics. Okay? We're going to rewrite these metrics. And it's actually, now it's down to 1%. It's not even 5. It's 1 out of 100 have led somebody to the Lord. And we need to change that. We need to change that seriously. Not just from leading somebody to Jesus, but from the aspect of, because it's not about closing the sale, right? That's not what it's about. But it's about understanding how to crack a code, to know what's going on, what, what, what's going on on the sub-level, so that we can actually help someone meet the Lord, begin them on a new journey, change their history, and the hope is they themselves will become someone who cracks the code, maybe even for a larger group of people. And you can actually see this in Scripture. Because listen to me, guys. What, listen to this. And experience will always trump an argument. When someone experiences true freedom and breakthrough, no matter what's being said, it always trumps an argument. Let me take that a little bit deeper and flip the other side of the coin. When we actually walk inside of a place where the code is being cracked and we see someone experience the Lord, it actually deals with the argument in our own head. That's our challenge. We all have an argument going on in our own head, and we ourselves need more experience so that we're moving more and seeing more fruit come inside the kingdom. Everybody has that argument, right? What if, what if, what if, right? Come on. But the more there is an experience, I'm seeing fruit. Then it begins to actually crack the coat in my own life. It removes even the own wrinkles inside of my own life. And I get to a place, and Ben actually was inside of the scripture in Philippians 2. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It goes on to say, he made himself of no reputation. Man, if we could just get to a place where it's not about us. No, listen to me. Don't, 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 don't ever beat yourself up. It takes a minute. It does. It takes a minute for me to continue to die and die more and die more. Well, I'm really not worried. I'm not. I, I, I'm not worried about how goofy I look, how I sound, if I don't do it right or whatever. And every single one of us deal with that. But that is that narrative that goes on inside of our head. And if we could just get that argument shut up by experience, someone experiencing just one, we see the code crack, and then we begin to move into a different place. And not only is God cracking the code for that person, but he's doing the same for us. And it becomes a breaking point. It's like a dam. And there just begins to be a crack. And man, if I could just get to a place where that dam is broke and that water is flowing, it's not scripture true. Greater is he who, where, where does he live? In me. The God of the universe is in. Why in the world is the dam not cracked? Are you true God or not? And it's that own argument in here. That own insecurity. Those eggshells. And listen to me. Don't beat yourself up. Even when you hear the Lord and you don't step out. I can remember standing in line. This Muslim dude was standing next to me and I heard the Lord speak to him. I want you to talk to him. And he was the leader of the Muslim. And I was like, hmm. And I didn't talk to him. I beat myself up left and right. That's not what God wants us to do. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because he's not hard. Ask for forgiveness and keep moving. Ask for another opportunity. I didn't realize, and sometimes we don't, the very first person I ever led to Jesus was a Muslim. I never thought about it. God's always connecting dots. God's always adding influence and adding another layer to the oil that he gives in your life. And sometimes there becomes even a strategy to crack the code inside of demographics, inside of different people groups. And God says, I'm giving you something. I'm giving you something. And he don't get mad even when we don't step out. But he's doing something. So Jesus actually broke that law. It wasn't 7.2 times. All right. Jesus just shattered that. But Jesus was led and he came to die for all of mankind. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. All right. Jesus came to die for the world. But you also see Jesus very, very intentional to go look for people. It's a crazy thought. So I, the reason I'm saying that, guys, is because your life is not that busy. He came to save the world. So it, it's, listen to me, it's, it's not a beatdown. It needs to be an awareness. It needs to be, I, I need to have a rhythm. I'm going to talk about that at the very end. I need to have a rhythm. I need a system. I need to know how he flows so I can move like that because he came to save the world. So he had a very big assignment on his life, but he would go look. He would look for the lost. Luke 15 talks about three types of things that's lost. A lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son. And it says there's more rejoicing in heaven, more, when they find that one than anything else that happens. That's not by me coming to church. That's not through my prayer life. 
It says more rejoicing happens when that one lost is found than anything else. There is not a greater party in heaven happening than when that happens. So people ask all the time, what is my purpose? Your purpose is Jesus' purpose. No, for real. What is my purpose? Your purpose is his purpose. So what is his purpose? Luke 19.10 says, I came to seek and save that which is lost. That's his purpose. Like you don't need no other purpose. You don't need no other assignment. Right now in the city of Tampa, it's lost. Just by metrics, most of this city is lost and dying and going to hell. I was with my daughters in the pool. We were playing, and we, had, we, we, we got these water guns. And um, we're shooting and having fun, and this other little girl gets involved, and they're shooting and playing, and this little boy gets involved, and we're shooting and playing, and then the dad gets involved. So we're all shooting. We're just like, we're going at it and having a blast. And he goes from that. He actually runs home and gets some balls, and we're playing and throwing the ball and creating this relationship. And the dude's from India. You know, and um, he goes, hey, what do you do? He's asking me. I'm, I'm a pastor. He goes, what is that? I'm like, boy, I need to crack the code here. I'm like, no, man, that's kind of an open door for me. <laughs> I'm like, get over at church. And he was just like a deer in headlights. Like, says, all right. I was like, well, what do you do? He goes, I'm a dealer. And I was like, bro, you should be saying that. I mean, from my background, I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, I'm for real. <laughs> I was joking. He had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> and uh he goes, you know, in the casinos. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, talk about polar opposites. <laughs> and I'm like in the pool, and he's like, hey, man, we should just get some beer and hang out. And I'm like, man, boy, this all went sideways. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> and I'm just smiling going, well, I need to crack the code. Oh, this just happened Saturday, and I know I got to preach. I'm like, man, what in the world? And what the Lord did want me to do is beat him over the head with King James. And I really had something to do. I needed to go home. I had a, I had a ham and a smoker. <laughs> I was hams. And I kept thinking about my ham. <laughs> I'm like, man. And I'm getting burnt, man. I'm like, I'm like pasty white. I'm like, man, I can't put enough sunblock on me. I haven't been out in the sun so long. And uh, the dudes, just, they just want to play. They want to keep playing. So, man, I'm like, I got to take this on the chin. I can't leave. And my daughters are having a blast because we don't never stay that long. Hour goes by. Another hour goes by. Paula calls, where you at? I'm like, I'm still at the pool. I'm still at the pool. I stayed there till like 4 o'clock. And what I felt from the Lord, like sometimes you just got to continue to be salt. You know, you, you got to choose to sacrifice when it's, not convenient. Like you got to disrupt your schedule. All right? Because that guy, that's my schedule. That's my schedule right there. He's on my schedule. And sometimes we don't realize that. Do you see what I'm saying? And sometimes we are brought into that, that experience and we, we recognize. Like, I, and I knew. I was like, I, I knew the Lord did not want me to leave. I'm like, my mistake, you know? Look like a crawfish. <laughs> you know, I'm spraying and spraying and spraying, but I I'm just going to stay. And I never got to a point where I'm like hitting him over the head. But he asked me for my phone number. And he said he normally works on, uh, he's off on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. And he said, hey, man, he said, uh, he said, if I get off on Saturday again, he goes, can I text you on Friday and we can hang out? I said, yeah, absolutely. 
I mean, we're going underwater, all of us. He's a grown man. I'm a grown man. We're going underwater doing contests to see who can hold their breath the longest. And we got the kids videoing. Like, we're bonding. <laughs> yeah, the preacher and the dealer, we're bonding. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't take him up on his corona. Yeah, I didn't take him up. <laughs> It was so funny when he said that. I just smiled, and I was like, what am I supposed to say? (laughs) Yeah. But so good. Yeah. There's two main ways that we are actually going to impact the world around us. One of them is, is through salt. It is as you continue to walk in the character of God. You just continue to love You continue to make sacrifice. You continue to be around people. You continue to do those things. And you make sure that you walk in radical love and kindness. All right? That is just, that's not a shock to their heart. But it slowly sprinkles the salt of heaven. All right? Over their life. And God is slowly opening their heart. And scripture says in 1 Corinthians 3, it says, One sows, all right? One waters. And God gives the increase. And he's talking about building the kingdom. And sometimes it is a slower process. And we should go back and we should pray for those individuals. All right? But God wants us to recognize that's one of the ways that we are to bring the gospel message is through the character of God. The other way is the shock in the, shock in the arm. Okay? And that's where we're going to land. We're going to land on that. We're going to land on how a shock in the arm. And, and Jesus did both. Jesus walked in the character of God. He revealed the love of God by being around sinners and tax collectors and people um, that just got so offended by who he would hang out with. And he was teaching them. And to be honest, he was giving them salt. He was. He was giving them salt, even though they were already kind of salty. But Jesus also would give a shot in the arm. And there's a few really cool stories in the Bible just about how he was so busy with what he was doing, but he would choose to stop or go after someone. And I love the story in Mark 5. He teaches all day long in Mark 4 about the Word of God is the most powerful thing in all the universe and how we have to protect our heart and how that seed will actually bring change. And then he goes over this body of water and is very intentional. A storm comes against him knowing that he's going to enter into a place where he's going to bring that which he was teaching the day before, rebukes the storm. Most of you guys know the story, Mark 4, Mark 5. And then when he gets to the other side, there's this man that nobody wants to be around. Listen, guys, there's social lepers around you every single day. Like a leper under the, in in the Bible was someone who would have to stay behind these uh, pipe and drape right here. They would have to stay behind there. They weren't allowed to be around everybody else. There's social lepers right now inside of our society that's right up next to you, and we don't realize it. Unless we crack the code, they're going to continue to be outcasts, but they're outcasts in here, and they're hurting, and they got sores, and they're jacked up on the inside. And unless we crack the code, they're going to continue to have a barrier. And we know what the will of God is, because when the leper came to Jesus... And he represents not just someone who needs physical healing. Leprosy in Scripture is a type of sin. He represents every single person that needs to be healed spiritually, emotionally, physically, every area of life. He says, if you're willing, 
And Jesus could have just spoke. He could have. He could have just said, be healed. But instead, he breaks down that barrier, that social barrier, and he touches him. He breaks. He breaks the rules. Don't you love that? You're a rule breaker? I'm a rule breaker. Yeah, he says, be willing, be healed. So Jesus gets to the other side of Mark chapter 5. The man who is a social leper, a man literally is demonized, runs to him. And Jesus speaks, and it says, come out, unclean spirit. There's only a few times that you see in Scripture that Jesus actually had to go back in. There's a few times he had to go back in. And what you see is you see Jesus operating now, all right, up under this cracked code where he's listening because he says, whatever I hear the Father say, that's what I say. Whatever I see the Father do, that's what I do. So he had already said, come out, unclean spirit, and it didn't. And then he says, what is your name? There needed to be something else added to already the direction of trying to set someone free. <clears throat> A lot of times, this is where we get flustered. Seriously. I'm going to use two quick accounts, but we get flustered. We get flustered because either the situation has a little bit of awkwardness to it. We prayed something didn't happen. Man, listen, we prayed for some people in that India Zoom, and it's, it's so funny how we are in America versus other places. We prayed for this lady. She, didn't, she, she wasn't healed. And she's not going to give me that courtesy. Yeah, I'm good. Pray again. Not good. Prayed again. Uh, at third time, she got 50%. Prayed four times. Completely healed. I check myself on that because we always face sometimes that awkward tension when you're trying to minister and stuff's not working out. But listen, this is where you, you attract God through boldness. So much we're waiting and God says, no, no, no. It's actually you, you go back into the fire and now the code gets cracked as you step back in. Do you see what I'm saying? That's actually when the revelation comes, is when you go back in. Come out, unclean spirit, it didn't. Jesus says, what is your name? He says, we are legion because we are many. We know the story, he got free. The code was cracked. Jesus got insight into this guy had so much more going on than just what looked like he was just demonized. It says, I think thousands came out of him. It's funny, he ran them into the pigs. It's always an interesting story. You're going to ask Jesus stuff like that when you get to heaven? Like, why'd you let him go into pigs? Y'all don't have questions like that when y'all read scripture? I have no idea why you had him go into pigs. I like pork. Yeah, I'm free. Where's Emmanuel at? <laughs> hey, so listen. He begs Jesus, let me go with you. Jesus says, no, I want you to go to your hometown and tell people all the good things that God did for you. You can go back and read the scriptures. It says that he did what Jesus told him, and it says, watch this. It says, the people marveled. The city was called, or the region was called Decapolis, and there's ten cities in Decapolis. Scholars say that the people that Jesus fed, all those thousands of people, came from his ministry. And experience always trumps an argument. You can't tell him that Jesus is not real because he was demonized. Everybody around knew he's set free. He's sharing and he's cracking the code to an entire region 
that continues to bring people to Jesus and make a further impact. That's powerful. I think it was Olivia that was sharing. We was talking about in a connect group. Um, and she was just sharing the story about this person that was in line at Publix or at a grocery store. And God spoke to him and said, I want you to tell this person this. And they were very nervous and didn't want to do it. And so anyways, they tried. And the person was a Muslim. And the person says, no, you're wrong. And as they persisted, the word was right. And the person's heart began to open up. And they was able to share the goodness of God. When she shared that story with me, I had been praying for the Muslim community here in Tampa. And I'm thinking, how in the world are we going to eat this elephant, Lord? Because this elephant is so big. There's so many people. There's two demographics that we see in the new Tampa area. We see a large, large Indian population. In my neighborhood, I see people walking around all the time dressed in Hindu garb. They're lost. And we see a large Muslim population. We got to change that and say, we see people going to hell. And they're in our backyard. And I can't just say, I mean, what you want me to do, Lord? I mean, I, I, I need to actually lean in and say, I'm willing. Show me what to do. I'll go after them. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm, I'm riding by, and there's these two big mosques. A mosque is where they go and pray, the, the Muslims. And I'll see the place packed with cars. And I'm asking the Lord when I ride by, I'm like, this bothers me. Not the fact that they're, they're coming together and praying. I'm like, this bothers me because it's, it's down the road from my house. And I would just pray in the spirit, but I knew that's not enough. That's like just hitting a BB at a, at a battleship. I can't just throw out some prayer like that and think that that's going to, all that does is really, to be honest, that medicates my conscience. There's no way Jesus would handle that that way if it was us lost. I'm just going to shoot up a prayer and keep riding. Do you hear what I'm saying? I'm talking about me right now. And when Olivia shared that story, I so heard the Lord when she shared this story. And what I heard was, you're trying to, you're looking at this wrong. You're looking at how are you going to get all these Muslims saved. And it's just, if that one gets saved, and they go back into the community, but they have an experience that trumps their argument, then all of a sudden, regardless if they're received or not, you begin to set a fire in the midst of a whole bunch of dry wood. This is what happened to Demoniac. Like he was bound. He got set free and then was released to go back inside of an environment that cracked a code inside of an environment. And what is the most what was pressing on my heart? I said this to our team a while back. I was like, I, I don't want to be known for a, a cute church. church I, I, I'm like, I, I really want, at the end of my life, it's got to be about the lost. And there's a lot of different avenues, you know what I mean, to go and reach the lost. You know, obviously we got to go share and all those things, and we'll talk some more. But that's got to be my dying purpose. I'm going after that which he came to this world for. We use the word family. Jesus came after family. Amen? But you can't be family if you're lost. They're lost. They become family. 
Y'all see what I'm saying? That way if it's messing with your theology a little bit. I thought we'd come out. There can be people that actually get saved and never serve Jesus a day of their life. Never. And they can still come into the kingdom. They could die a baby. Paul talks about three types of Christians. So we fit in one of these categories, all of us. Either you're a babe or you're carnal or you're spiritual. Okay? So we sometimes judge, all right? So you fall in one of those categories. So you could be a carnal Christian. That means you could be saved and, and live your life and not live it for the Lord. All right? And it says in 1 Corinthians 3, when you stand before him, your life will be burned up, but you will still be saved. It's not a good way to meet him. I wouldn't want to meet him that way. I can say for me, I was saved when I was eight years old, and I still got involved with drugs and still sold drugs and got shot, drove myself to the hospital, and I never repented. I was, I was not the prodigal son. I didn't come to my senses. And I believe if I died, I would have still stood before the Lord, and I was saved, born again, because I can remember conviction coming to me in times in the worst darkness I was in. Like, don't do that. And I would not want to have meeting that way. And I really wouldn't want to gamble on my eternity that way. I believe that's good theology. But I wouldn't want to gamble that way. See how close I can get to the fence. Are y'all tracking with me? What time is it? I got one more good story, but we're not going to go there just for time. I want to land this plane and land it well. If you would like to read, I would really encourage you to read John 1 about Nathaniel, because Nathaniel is another hiccup. Nathaniel actually said about Jesus, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Could you imagine you go to love on somebody and they're like, oh, you, you, you? And they're just, they, they kind of like spit back in your face. But Jesus wasn't moved. It, it was awkward. Do you see what I'm saying? But then he gives him a word, and the, and the word that he shares with him, you know, when I, I saw you under the fig tree. And, and he're like, oh, my gosh, you, you, you are the Savior. And Jesus says, because, you, because I said this? Quick story. A guy named, um, it's this pastor named Sean. I can't think of his last name right now. He's out of Oakland, California. Um, he was going by a tarot card reading place, a new age place. And the Lord spoke to him to go in that place. And as he goes in the place, this person's reading tarot cards. And he says, I want you to say three things to the girl reading the tarot cards. He says, one thing I want you to tell her is, uh, you are her sign. Could you imagine walking up? I'm your sign. Told her about something when she was a child and then something else I forget. But when he walks up to her and she, she's going to read the cards, he goes, um, I'm to tell you that I'm your sign. She breaks down and starts crying. The night before, she's asking God for a sign. Like, like, seriously, the crack the code is really actually, it's not that hard. See, Jesus cracked the code with Nathaniel with the word, and he says, you're, you're tripped out because of this, and he literally was turned a complete different direction, came into the kingdom, served with him the rest of his life, and died as a martyr. This girl walked out of the tarot card reading place, quit her job on the spot, and accepted Jesus, and was working for the kingdom of darkness. By cracking the code. And that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to be able to 
crack the code, whether it be big picture, let's say big picture, let's say Tampa, because God wants to give us insight into the city. God wants to give you insight into your neighborhood. I walk around my neighborhood, my little girls, and I just have them praying and confessing stuff, and, and then I'll sometimes feel the Lord tell me stop at a house. But God wants us, you can crack the code even when you're not in front of somebody. But God also wants us to do it inside of our families, inside of our workplaces, our day-to-day activities. Yeah, crack the code. He wants there to be an urgency in our heart. Like to live with an urgency. That when I'm walking around, that I try to keep my chin up. Even if I'm a task mode person, try to keep my chin up and look at the faces and wonder, do they know you? And have such an urgency in your heart and to listen. You guys good? So we're going to change that stat. It's not going to be 1% of us, amen? It's not going to be 5% of us, amen? We're going to change that. Our church is going to be different. I believe this region is going to be different. I believe this city is going to be different, okay? And I would challenge you. I would challenge you to just tell the Lord, I'll take the Muslim population. I'll take it, Lord. I would challenge you because it's not just going to be you. There's going to be other people. You tell them, I'll take this population. Yeah, I will take this. I'll go after them. I think we're waiting too much. I really do. We're waiting on another word. So this is going to be a three-part series. I want to share with you, um, I'm going to share with you one major tool, and um, I will give you an icebreaker, all right? Let me say this before I transition. We, 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 we so got to have credibility. Credibility is character, and credibility also is power. We got to have both, okay? If I, if I do not walk in love, I do not have credibility. That's a game changer. Got to walk in love. That's beyond feelings. Jesus didn't feel like dying for us. There ain't no way. He didn't feel like having his hand nailed to that cross. He didn't feel like getting beat. He didn't feel like that. He didn't feel like when them guys walked around him and said, you saved others, save yourself, Hot Rod. Like three people groups walked around the cross and wagged their tail at Jesus. Three. And Scripture says the enemy was using all three of them in Psalms 22. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't feel like doing that. But we got to walk in the radical love of God. All right, that gives you credibility. The other credibility is what we need to learn more, and that is how we give a shot in the arm and crack the code of what's going inside of somebody. And I got to get it to where it is. I used this word earlier, where it's cellular, where it's natural. It's a natural process. Do you hear what I'm saying? For me to be urgent, and at the same time, all right, my ears are up, and I'm in a position to operate with him. So an icebreaker is always going to be this. If you're trying to chat with somebody, to love on somebody about anything, and that's testimony. Testimony simply means to do it again. Because everybody in this room, everybody, including myself, there's times when you're nervous to talk to a stranger. Okay? Is anybody good at it? Just raise your hand. Anybody? That's okay. You good at it? Okay. What's your name? 
David? Like King David. Y'all get David and go with David. I'm putting you out there, brother. I'll go with you too. No, for real. Like, no, no, seriously. You, you go with somebody and, and, and watch and, and, and be around people. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's easy, you know, but to share. Sometimes we just got to actually be just, you know, talk and not be like, I'm, just, I'm, I'm trying to close a deal here. And we just talk and we love on people and just watch how things begin to open up. And look for a window to share something good that God has done. A lot of times in that process, God's going to give you an opportunity to share something he's done for you. Okay? And even inside of that, Scripture says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Meaning that, you know, when I can begin to locate that testimony, what happens is that begins to prophesy over their life and their hearts are open because they're like, Oh, I went through that. And that's not a coincidence. And now God's beginning to connect the dots. And then it can lead me into a, a different place to where their hearts are being open. And um, always remember this. I'm not trying to close a sale. All of us is like that. We got this messianic complex. All of us do. Seriously, all Christians have this. Especially if you sit inside of environments where you hear stuff like this. You know, you, you got this complex. Like, you know what I'm saying? I got to, I got to, you know what I mean? And that's, that's not it. That's, that's the wrong thought process. The thought process is, listen, I, you, you love them as a human. That's it. I love you as a human. You're valuable. Jesus died for you. And if it's just connecting with them, see where it goes. But don't, don't have that. Get that burden off you, that weight off you, that you're the one closing the deal. Do you see what I'm saying? That eases things up dramatically. All right? So one tool testimony, and we could teach on that for quite a while, but I want to touch on word of knowledge. Okay? Word of knowledge is 1 Corinthians 12, 8. And a word of knowledge is when God begins to crack the code. It's one of the ways. Pastor Nate's going to teach next week, and he's going to talk about another way you can crack the code, but um, a word of knowledge is when God basically gives you insight into somebody's heart, something that's going on with their life right now. So listen, guys, watch this. If you've ever been around teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, a word of knowledge is when God downloads something to you. But this is where we mess up. We try to do cold calls. <laughs> That's what we do. We try to get cold calls. And we'll go out in public and be like, all right, Lord, I'm here. Give me a word. And God will. No, he will. But I think he's laughing. I think he wants you to just go find somebody and begin to ask him questions instead of doing a cold call. And you waiting on a word of knowledge, you go find somebody because we know that he is very intentional about that human. Even if they're good. Do you hear what I'm saying? And then you begin to ask him some questions. I might have some up on the screen. Ask him questions. Ask him this, like, ask the Lord. Um, I skipped them. I got the wrong. They up there? I sent the wrong document to myself. Ask God that question right there. Hey, God, what do you love about them? Because God's got a list of stuff he loves about them. But just imagine if God speaks to you, he's breathing on you, and he says something that he loves about this person. So you just go find somebody, and you ask God that question, what do you love about Jose? Are y'all with me? You'll find, watch this, you'll locate God so fast and I'm telling you, listen, that code will begin to crack. You'll start seeing stuff shift. You'll hear the Lord. He'll breathe on you. It releases his faith. And watch this. It removes some of that fear. And then it begins to give you a key to walk inside of somebody's heart. 
What's another question? What are they passionate about? What's this person passionate about? Because what you're doing is you're asking insight into someone's life that you don't know. What's something going on in their life right now that could be a challenge? And you could ask God actually a multiple questions and get a few different downloads and then begin to strike up a conversation with somebody. And then you could get really specific. What's Nate's favorite color? What's their middle name? I know that might get a little awkward. So watch this. Even inside of something like that, you got to save that information. Don't walk up and says, hey, your middle name's John. You stalking me on Facebook? No, but seriously, God would actually give you specifics. And the reason why is because sometimes some are a little bit harder to crack. And sometimes it'll be just the word that they need that will actually change everything inside of their life. Are y'all with me? Yeah, asking for specifics. Listen to the word. Don't just do cold calls. Go find somebody. I mean, just randomly pick somebody and ask these questions and watch God speak to you and breathe on you. It'll be a difference maker. All right? Wrap up with this. Create a rhythm. Be up on the screen. Let's go through it kind of fast. Ask the Lord to practice around those around you. Hey, Melody, practice on Jose. Jose, practice on Melody. No real talk. No practice on those around you. Ask the Lord questions about the people around you. And begin a conversation with people and begin to actually practice these things. Listen, we need to have credibility. We need to walk in love. But we also need to come. The kingdom of God is actually in power. This is the way the kingdom comes in power. And we change that 7.2 times for someone to hear about Jesus to where right now it's low-hanging fruit. Right now that's low-hanging fruit. Their lives become transformed. Work on a schedule to give yourself opportunities to practice. Remember what we said earlier, Jesus came to save the entire world. There was a lot of things pressing on Jesus. And Jesus made sure he put it in his schedule to go find. And he was demonstrating to us what it looks like to walk in this earth, filled with the Holy Spirit, listening to heaven, and going after that which is most precious to him. That one lost sheep, that one lost coin, that one lost son or daughter. Are you with me? Go practice with a friend in public. Take John with you. John's going to give you his phone number after service. I'm calling you out, John. I'm a, I want to get your number. I want to go with you. David, my bad. John, beloved, David, King David, my bad. David, how can I forget David? Go practice with a friend in public. I'm serious, guys. Create a journal of words and wins and salvation. So it's really good. It's really good to actually take note that when you see a great victory, you see God move inside of somebody's heart. It's not a notch on our belt. But what it does is it continues to minister to your heart and crack the code in our own life. Continue to deal with that narrative inside of our own mind. Does that make sense? All right, you got to stand for me. Let's look up. Let's look up as a prophetic act. We bless you, Lord. This is what Jesus would do. He would look up. 
Look up to the Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for trusting us with your assignment. We thank you for trusting us with your family. Those who are saved, but they still need to get saved. And those who don't know you, we thank you for trusting us with your family. I thank you for a mighty rushing wind inside of all of our hearts, Lord, of a fresh urgency for that which is so urgent to you. I just want to take a moment. I, I, I really feel like just take a moment with you and the Lord. And I'm going to leave. This is how I'm going to say it. Lord, forgive me for the clutter. Forgive me for the clutter, Lord. Always doing spiritual things don't mean that we're making an impact. Sometimes all it does is add a care to our life. There's actually spiritual things can just add a care to my life. It doesn't actually mean I'm making an impact. Lord, I just repent right now of clutter in my life. And I choose to put that which is most important in your heart as the most important thing in my heart. Let there be such an urgency, Lord, such a renewal, such a new fire, such a new passion, such a new zeal for the lost in this city, Lord, for the ones that are hurting inside of our churches, all those things, every single person that doesn't know you and those who need to get saved that do know you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your refreshing even now. So Lord, I bless each and every person here tonight. I bless them in the name of Jesus.